You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. An interesting study came out a couple of weeks ago from the Gottmacher Institute, which is some institute somewhere that studies things. And they found that banning abortions does not reduce the number of abortions. There's a quote, restricting the availability of legal abortion does not appear to reduce the number of women trying to end unwanted pregnancies, a major report suggests. The Guttmacher Institute study found abortion occurs at roughly equal rates in regions where it is legal and regions where it is highly restricted or illegal. The only thing they found is that places where abortions are illegal and sought at the same rate that they're sought in places where they're illegal, is that it kills lots of women. Women die when they're looking for abortions, when they're out there trying to get abortions. When when you ban abortion, when you make it illegal, you are consciously, now we know, you are murdering women. You are killing women. And you aren't saving any babies. You're just killing women. Which is what I'm going to accuse Michigan State Representative Jim Sleezak now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It's S-L-E-Z-A-K, who's a Democrat, who's introduced a bill in Michigan that would ban abortions. So if you're listening and you're in Michigan, you need to get in touch with Representative Jim Sleezak's office and point out to him that should he succeed in banning abortion in Michigan, all he's going to ultimately succeed in doing is killing women in Michigan asshole. And if you're listening, Michigan, or really anywhere else in the country, please get in touch with Representative Jim Slezak about his bill that would ban abortions in Michigan, which has 22 co-sponsors right now. You can call him at 800-555-8560. His email is jimslezak at house.mi.gov. I just called uh, Representative Jim Sleezak's office, and his name is pronounced Sleezak. I guessed correctly. So you give this asshole a call, and you tell him that he's an asshole who, if he's successful with his assholery, will kill Michigan women, which maybe what he's after. It would lower the unemployment rate in that state. Maybe that's what he should be working on, is job creation and the economy, and not killing Michigan women asshole. This episode is brought to you by DigitalDesire.com, the high-end erotic website that's a cut above the rest, featuring breathtaking girls from around the world, expertly captured in arousing and artistic videos and photos. Visit DigitalDesire.com slash savage today for a special trial offer. Hey, Dan. James from New York. I almost had a quick question about uh, anal stimulation. I'm a straight guy. And my girlfriend is interested in sticking something up my butt. I don't know if I like it or whatever. Um, Just wondering if you have some advice. Some advice. I would advise you to consider how much you like this girlfriend and whether allowing her to penetrate you anally is a price of admission that you're willing to pay for uh, future access to her and her pants. Other advice generally, uh, start small, use a lot of lube, uh, fingers, tongues uh, for beginners. Um, 
Get a butt plug, experiment with that. If you're nervous about performance, do it alone. Do it when your bowels are empty. Eat a lot of fiber. And uh, enjoy. God gave you a prostate gland for a reason. And I think it's no accident that God sent this girl into your life. There are no accidents, only miracles. Hi, Dan. Uh, Wondering if you've ever heard anything about a sexual allergy. Um, being that, uh, whenever I get into some certain situations where I think about, uh, sexual thoughts, like being out in public with my girlfriend and maybe catching a glimpse of the skirt or something like that, uh, I sneeze. Um, and this has been going on actually with uh, a number of different girlfriends, I said, uh, since high school, and uh, just, uh, not a problem per se, but just wondering if, uh, if there's actually any chance of being allergic to sexual thoughts. Here's a shocker. Your nose, your nasal passages, have erectile tissue in them. And when you become aroused, the same signals that flow from your brain down to your junk and cause it to swell with blood can cause the erectile tissue, errant sort of little signals, can cause the erectile tissue in your nasal passages to swell and your reaction may be, to sneeze, which is why some people at the beginning of arousal uh, have sneezing fits or hack out one or two sneezes. Um, It's not unusual. Very few people actually have the condition, but it's not unusual and there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing you can do about it except keep some Kleenex by the bed. Hi, Dan. Um, Quick etiquette question for you. Uh, A good friend of mine is getting married um, and a lesbian couple that she's friends with have recently entered into a polyamorous relationship. Um, what is the etiquette um, these days for inviting three people or the original couple? What does somebody do these days? Thank you. This is a hard one. <laughs> I'm going to be accused of oppressing the polyamorous here and of not respecting polyamorous relationships and bonds and ties. But it seems to me that if the third in this polyamorous relationship is a recent acquisition, uh, someone that you don't know well and uh, do not have much of a relationship with, you're not really obligated to invite the whole clan. Uh, people understand that weddings are expensive. And you know, what if your polyamorous friends were dating four people or eight people or, or committed uh, you know, in a big tribe of three-dimensional chess to, uh, you know, 10,000 people. You're really under no obligation to invite them. What you can do is if you, you know, have a longer-term relationship with one of the women that, you know, predates the relationship, you can invite your friend plus one. We're all allowed to bring a date to a wedding. We are not allowed to bring everyone we're dating or seeing or fucking to the wedding, to a wedding, to any wedding. I think it would be unreasonable of the polyamorous uh, to expect that people who are hosting very expensive weddings should have to, and you know, some couples can bring some couples. <laughs> oh my God! See, I'm a bigot. I just call them couples when they're a triad or a quad or a quint or a sex. <laughs> I think it's unreasonable to expect that because you're poly, uh, you get to have more wedding cake and uh, cocktails and chow than your friends who aren't poly. And I think the crucial word in your question and your call is recently. They've recently entered into a polyamorous relationship. They've recently brought this third in. I don't see how that obligates you uh, to bust the wedding tradition of like couples, of one or two people being invited. Um, 
if you had, you know, if this person had been in the relationship for, you know, a year or more and you had a relationship with them as a triad as opposed to them as a couple, I think you would, uh, Emily Post, would say that you're obligated to invite them as a trio if they were involved in your life as a triad, as a trio, as a, you know, not a couple that you knew, but a triad that you knew. As it stands, this couple that you've known for a while recently acquired a fuck buddy. How recent? The the reason I'm hemming and hawing here and, and having a hard time with this question is I don't want my poly friends to be mad at me. I don't want you, though, to feel like you have to invite the tribe. But I also kind of feel like, you know, if there's an extra place at the wedding, if you can accommodate this third, maybe you should because – you know, just like you invite somebody and they can bring a girlfriend, like people who come to weddings don't have to be single or committed couples. They can be dating and bring a date to the wedding. So maybe it would be only fair and appropriate to allow this couple to bring their date to the wedding. Uh, if there's space, if there's room, if your parents are paying for it, or if it's some sort of a potluck wedding where it's really not going to impact you in any way, uh, it's really not going to be a burden to you, to the couple – then why not uh, invite all three? Why not let them come? But if it is going to be a burden, if it is going to uh, break the bank, one extra very hungry person at the wedding, very hungry because she's getting the shit fucked out of her by those two friends of yours, person at the wedding, then I think uh, Emily Post and I would back you up despite the howls of protest that I'm going to be receiving from my poly friends. Hi, Dan. I'm calling from Oakland, California, with a comment, uh, actually an answer for uh, somebody that you talked to in episode 157, where uh, the person was looking for a good reference to uh, tell her mom about polyamory and explain that to her. Um, rather than throwing a book at somebody, um, it's, it's easier to throw a few pages, especially if it's, if it's a very new and unfamiliar topic. And I would recommend going to the polyamory FAQ section on Zero Mag. That's X E. R O M A G dot com. A guy there, Franklin Vaux, has written a whole bunch of great um, explanatory and helpful articles about polyamory, and the FAQ is is dead on for people who have had no exposure to the topics, and it it answers great uh, comebacks to all the questions people tend to ask about it. So uh, you might pass that resource along to her. And thanks, love the podcast. Thank you for the tip. I wish I'd heard this call before I stumbled my way through the answer to the previous caller. Perhaps the guy facing the uh, question about what to do with his poly friends and his wedding invitation list uh, should go check out Zero Mag. Maybe they've covered this with more uh, elan. Do you love the sensual beauty of a stunning nude woman? Then DigitalDesire.com is the destination for you. A high-end erotic website like no other. Digital Desire features breathtaking girls from around the world, expertly captured in arousing and artistic HD videos and high-resolution photos. Visit digitaldesire.com slash savage today for your exclusive discount offer and an extensive free tour. A fresh new take on erotica awaits you. Hey, Dan. Uh, this is Gina from Virginia, and I was calling because um, this couple that I'm really good friends with decided that they wanted to do the girl-girl-boy threesome. Um, shocking, I know. But they approached me to do it. And, I mean, I've known them for a really long time, but I'm not really attracted to either of them, and I'm not, I'm just not interested. So I told them that I wasn't interested, um, but they keep bringing it up over and over and over. And, I've, you know, I've asked them to stop. I've told them it makes me uncomfortable. Um, 
But no matter what we're doing, where we're going, it always ends in, and by the way, would you like to come home with us? And I really don't. Um, so aside from dating the obvious repeatedly, um, I just wanted to kind of see if there was anything else I should do. Um, maybe put it in writing, maybe tattoo it on my arm. Um, otherwise, I think I'm just going to have to give them up as friends, which really sucks because I've been friends with them for, you know, five or six years. So any help would be greatly appreciated. They keep bringing it up uh, no matter what you're doing or where you're going. If your friends don't respect you, if they don't take no for an answer, why are you going anywhere with them? Why are you doing anything with them? Tell them you're not interested and tell them you're angry that they keep asking. Tell them that the relationship is on the line, that they're risking alienating you entirely, that you're not, you don't even want to be their friend anymore if they can't respect the no and just be firm. Don't smile and be polite and say, I'm really not interested. Don't give them any chance to misinterpret uh, you know, the physical cues you're giving versus what, what you're saying. Look angry. Look like no and say no and say, I'm not hanging out with you guys anymore. If you don't fucking drop it, you're pissing me off. Got it? And if they bring it up just one more time, don't fucking hang out with them anymore. Uh, hi, Dan Savage. Uh, my friend has kind of a gross problem. Uh, we're both uh, freshmen at university, and uh, pretty sh- we're doing the gay thing. Anyway, uh, we we mostly hook up like super secretly after both of us have been pretty drunk. Uh, but recently, I guess we've come to terms with our gayness, and we're hooking up sober. And that brings us to the problem. You know that pubic musk? It's like that very distinct uh, smell that's a cousin of like underarm BO, but it's got its very own distinct uh, pubic waft to it. In my limited sexual history, I've realized that it comes with different people in varying degrees, and it's usually uh, remedied with just a little bit of soap and water. But this guy has this kind of super rank scent, but it's not, it's not, uh, in his crotch, it's directly over his lip. And when I'm drunk, I can ignore it. But when I'm sober, it's too intense and I don't know what to do. I've, I've even, I've tried so much as offering him gum, uh, or, you know, making out or hooking up in the shower, but it, uh, it hasn't been able to help. I don't know if you have to consult a doctor, but this is really gross and it's starting to become a problem. So his face smells like ass, like crotch, and it's not yours. So it's not like he's returning uh, from your crotch and his, his face smells like crotch. His face just smells like ass. Um, it seems to me that this is an instance where just a little directness can solve everything. You don't have to be as cruel as to say your face smells like ass, but – you're within your rights, particularly if this person expects you to rub your face against theirs, to say, when's the last – go wash your face. You stank. Or when's the last time you flossed your teeth? You, your breath is rank. You can just be that direct. If he's that into you and if he's semi-closeted and you're really the only cock he has access to, he'll do whatever it takes to keep you happy, to keep you coming over. And so just make it conditional. Like, dude, wash your face. Don't like try to – persuade him into the shower where then you will take a fucking scrub brush to his face without him noticing that that's what the whole point was just like 
Just tell him. Just tell him. Just tell him. You want my dick in your mouth? You got to go wash your face. Hi, Dan. Um, I have some really horrible things to tell you about. I was talking to my mom on the phone today, and she started telling me about how she's in therapy, and she's been diagnosed with PTSD, and she's um, she started telling me that it was because of what had happened between her and my dad while they were still married. And she told me that the entire time they were married for 26 years, he was raping her whenever he felt like it. And he didn't see any problem with this, that he thought because she was his wife, that they were married, that that was okay. And it was his right to do that. And that she was completely scarred from this. And um, that she had talked to, uh, his two brothers' wives about this, and that they both reported the same thing that his brothers were also raping their wives regularly, and um, that basically they were taught to be this way in their family and and I am pretty horrified by this um, also, I have been raped. I also am diagnosed with PTSD and I'm in therapy for that. And I really strongly identify with all the women in the world that are suffering the way that I am. And I really want to torture and kill all of the rapists of the world. I really have a lot of hatred. And I don't know what to do because um, I guess I should just disown my dad. Just tell him that I'm never going to talk to him again and maybe the entire side of my dad's family. Um, that seems like kind of hard to do, you know, and, um, and also I'm supposed to go on a trip to Hawaii with my dad and his new wife and my stepdaughter, the stepsister that I've met like once, um, like in the next week, I'm supposed to be leaving on the 26th and I don't know if I should go, if I should just act like it's okay, if I should, should, just not go. Um, and my mom, of course, told me that, you know, don't tell anyone, don't ever tell him that I told you. She, you know, I'm going to tell you everything, but you better not tell anyone about it. She, so she might be mad at me if I told him that she told me. And my mom also, you may, might want to know that she is pretty crazy anyway. She's bipolar and she's had a lot of really bad anxiety and depression and she's an alcoholic and she tends to be kind of, you know, unreliable and not very trustworthy and manipulative. So I really don't know what I should do. Can you please call me? Hi. Hi. Are you in Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> can you talk or can you? <laughs> Actually, yeah. I'm in the hotel room and nobody else is in here. Um, so I just listened to your call. Yes. And... You know, I don't believe it. I believe really? I believe that you were raped. Uh, I, okay. I believe that you may have PTSD. Um, I don't believe your mom when she re wants to redefine retroactively 26 years of marital sex as rape every single time, and that she tells you that her brother, you know, your her brothers-in-law were raping their wives too, and then swears you to secrecy, forbids you from talking with your father about this. And you know her to be an unreliable, not trustworthy, manipulative, alcoholic, bipolar, who knows your history well, of rape. And is there any chance she's trying to poison your relationship with your father? 
I kind of thought about that, but it really doesn't seem like her style to uh, just make something up like that. I mean, she she's lied about things, but not like that. And I kind of thought maybe her motivation for suddenly telling me this was because she was resentful that my dad was taking me to Hawaii. You think? But, um, yeah. You think that might be part of what's going on? I think that might have been why she suddenly decided to tell me that, but I don't really think that, that, would, that she would make that up. Because you, maybe you don't want to think that about your mother, because that's so astoundingly evil. And you know what? I don't want to think that about your mother either. But the only way you can figure out what actually went on is to talk with your father about this. That's what I'm going to do. Your mother can't I say, actually had therapy. Go ahead. I went to my therapist my like the night after I talked to my mom, or the morning after I talked to my mom. So... He said that I should go to Hawaii, and he said that um, basically because it's something that you just grew up, he just grew up with. It's not like he was doing it out of you know wanting to hurt her. That he's worked with a lot of couples that this kind of thing is going on in, in the marriage, and the, the man just thinks of it as like his right to do that, and doesn't realize that he's hurting the wife, mm-hmm. and that these people just need to be educated. And I guess looking at it as more of like a cultural problem and not necessarily like okay, but this is presuming, my dad is this evil. Is, this is presuming that it happened. Yeah. And your dad needs a chance to respond to the charge. You know, he's been accused of rape. And okay. I think, it, you know, when that kind of accusation is leveled, somebody, you know, a, a, a man or a woman so accused has a right to defend themselves. You know, there might be an, another side to this story here. And, you know, just from way outside, looking in, and, I, and I'm going to defer to your therapist a little bit here because he's probably more intimately acquainted with all the details, unreliable, not trustworthy, manipulative, bipolar, alcoholic, and then it just makes me question your mother's motives. When she lays this on you, when she knows that you're a survivor of rape, who has these feelings about rapists, that they should be murdered, and resents the relationship that you have with your father. When yeah. she throws that kind of a bomb, into your life, you have to really, you just that's, you just can't take somebody's word for that kind of shit. People are crazy. People who aren't unreliable, not trustworthy, manipulative, bipolar, alcoholics are crazy and do crazy shit yeah. when families are, you know, coming apart, coming back together, when there's these cross currents of, uh, of resentment and anger and love. Maybe it all happened and your father is going to apologize and confess and blame it on the culture in which he was raised or whatever. But you have to entertain the possibility that this is bullshit. Okay. And that your father's been falsely accused by your mother for reasons that seem plausible. Okay. I think you have to be neutral going into that conversation with your dad. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, that's a good point. Thanks. You're welcome. Good luck. Okay, thank you. Bye. Hi, Dan. I'm calling on behalf of a friend of mine. He is married. He's a 26-year-old straight male, and he's been married to his wife for seven years. She cheated on him about two years ago, and they have three kids together. They don't live together, and they're not really dependent on each other. After she cheated on him, he kind of tried to just let her go. It didn't work out between them. The marriage is kind of over, and they're in the process of a divorce. He met a younger girl, 18 years old. He's 27. 
and she was 18. He dated her for about four or five months, now six months. It didn't really work out there, but she has medical problems, and he doesn't want to come off as an asshole that's breaking up with her because she can't have kids, uh, assist on her ovaries. Uh, he, he met a older 25-year-old woman, a uh, straight female, who was a stripper, isn't anymore, and he's been dating her for about two months while still dating the 18-year-old and still not quite divorced from his wife, and now she's pregnant and it might be his. And his question is, what the hell should he do? Break up with everyone, tell them all the way, and divorce, finish the divorce with the wife? Uh, I, yeah help would be greatly appreciated let me see if i follow you so your friend who has three children at 26 by a woman to whom he's married but is divorcing is dating an 18 year old that he's thinking about breaking up with because she has a cyst on her ovaries and can't give him more children and is also at the same time dating a stripper who may or may not be pregnant with his fourth child and his primary concern is not seeming like an asshole I think it's a little late for that, uh, and I don't think it's all seeming like an asshole. I think your friend just is an asshole. He has achieved assholedom. It's no longer aspirational assholedom. He is an asshole. That cyst on that 18-year-old's ovaries, you know, I wouldn't wish infertility on anyone except women who are so unfortunate as to be dating your asshole friend, perhaps them, and only temporarily. What I think your friend should do, I think your friend should get a fucking vasectomy. And I think all the women in North America should get a fucking restraining order with his name on it. That's what I think your friend should do. I'm calling about um, episode 157, um, where you gave the statistic about um, guys who are um, less endowed, um, statistically um, being better at pleasing their partners. Um, I I actually am a trans man, so I can definitely um, relate to that statistic. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of us uh, smaller guys out there. Um, however, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and, and she asked me. She said, "Do you think that um, you're you tend to be better at pleasing women because you used to own the equipment?" And I said, "No, it's not because I used to own that equipment. It's because I didn't own the standard male equipment." So I. I learned how to really tune into the, to the woman and, and learn how to please her. Um, that, that being said, um, I'm wondering, um, because I have those bases covered, how I can actually shift the focus to my cock, um, because I can't do everything I hope and dream of with it because of its smaller size. You shift focus to your cock the way anyone shifts focus to their own genitals, uh, by expecting, as a matter of course, reciprocity. Uh, that you're going to lavish attention and affection on your partner's body, and including their genitalia, and you expect the same in return. You have to be confident uh, that your cock is legit, that your cock is your cock, and you need to uh, make demands. You need to insert it into the play. <laughs> Maybe you can't you know, stuff someone full of it because it's not that kind of cock, but you can certainly expect and communicate to your partner that you expect uh, – your genitalia to be stimulated, you expect it to play a role in your sex play and for it not to be treated like it's inadequate in any way or defective in any way because it isn't and it ain't. And always remember that your partner's reaction to your genitalia is going to be informed by your presentation of your genitalia. If you make excuses or apologies for it, 
they're going to act like you did something wrong or there is something wrong with it. You need to throw it out there. You need to <laughs> you need to insert it into the play aggressively and playfully and erotically uh, with some sense of authenticity and sense of entitlement. And then uh, your cock will get the attention that it needs and deserves. Hey, Dan, I've got to take exception with uh, your response to the lady who called in asking about the shift from anal to vaginal sex. You know, to you and me, it's probably pretty obvious that you don't want to stick a shit-encrusted dick into a vagina, let alone a mouth or any other orifice. But if you've got a 21-year-old girl or young lady who's watching porno where they gleefully plunge from one orifice to the next without even a pause for a wipe, it might be a little confusing. And I don't think if you're going to encourage people to call in and ask questions that it is encouraging if you refer to them as retards, even if the question is obvious to you or me or to many of your other listeners. I think calling somebody a retard, you know, just doesn't encourage them. And your theme song, if, if that's the case, needs to be modified so that there ain't nothing you can't ask um, well, maybe it's there's nothing you can't ask provided as long as you don't think it's a stupid question. There ain't nothing you can't ask. I never promise not to be an asshole about your question. You can ask me anything. And I might call you a leotard. It's really offensive the way you use the word retard like that. All right, maybe I should have gone a little easier on her. Maybe I should have brought up the fact that there's a lot of that in porn, but... Porn is kabuki sex, and porn actors are often paid to shoulder risks that any reasonable person would anticipate or wish to avoid, like the shit-encrusted cock insertion vaginally. And also when people are doing porn shoots, they've pretty much hosed themselves out. Every orifice, they've flossed every tooth, they've enemized themselves, uh, you know, all the way up to their fucking esophagus, right? And flushed out. So in a way, in an aggressive way that people who are just engaged in regular uh, anal and vaginal intercourse may not have. And so, you know, I think that's pretty dumb to look at what's going on in porn and infer that it's A, safe, or B, um, that you have those superpowers too and you are a porn star too. But maybe that's because I'm leotarded. But again, you know, call the show and you risk hearing things sometimes you don't want to hear like, you're a leotard, and that was a stupid question. You can ask me anything. Again, you can't ask me to pretend that a stupid question ain't a stupid question. Hey, Dan. Um, I, my name is Anna, and I just listened to your podcast about the big, busty woman. And I had that same thing. And I just really appreciate the advice you gave her because you also gave it to me about accepting it and kind of trying to internalize that confidence and that I'm not sleazy because my boobs are huge. They're jerks because they you know, talk to me like that, or just people in general asking all the time if I'm going to get a reduction. It's just like a really internal thing, but I really appreciate what you did for her and also for me, so thanks a lot, and keep up the good work. We're going to end with a compliment since I got so thrashed the last call. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, you download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.